Praise the Lord. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for your love, your grace, your mercy. We thank you for the excitement and the enthusiasm that you put in our body, soul, and spirit. And I pray this morning that you would anoint thy servant, Lord, with the anointing from on high, the fresh oil from heaven. In the name of Jesus, we'll give you glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name, amen. I want to speak to you today on this subject. Don't allow the enemy to steal your lentils. That's sort of an odd title. Don't allow the enemy to steal your lentils. How many have ever had lentil soup? Oh, I have. I love it. Good stuff. Did you know lentils is a very, very nutritious product? Do you know that uh, it can ward off cancer and help diabetes? And there, there's so many different elements to lentils. It's, it's amazing. It's just simply amazing. I looked it up. And I don't want to go into all of that here. But you would do yourself well if you went home and you just looked at the, uh, what lentils are, how they're grown, and, and the nutritional value of lentils. And a lot of people never eat lentils. Praise the Lord. I love lentil soup. Praise the God, Lord. Especially when you put some Swiss chard in it. Amen. And the way my wife does it. And it's just sweet and it's so good for you. Amen. Amen. So I want to speak to you today about don't allow the enemy to steal your lentils. 2 Samuel 23 and 8. And these are some of David's last words if you read the first verse of, of this chapter. And he recalls things. And, you know, it's, it's like Sister said about praying. Recall the prayers that you've prayed. Recall them. Remind God. God. God is not deaf. God is not weary. And here David, the Bible said in the first verse of 2 Samuel 23, 1, I'm not reading that, I'm, I'm going to verse 8. He's recalling, you know, some of these great memories and these great warriors that were attached to him, that came to him. These be the names of the mighty men whom David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. He was the, the head captain. And we're going to talk about three men here. This was David's inner circle of soldiers, okay? He was chief among the captains. The same was Adino. The Tachmanite's name was Adino, the Esnite. He lift up his spear against 800, whom he slew at one time. And after him was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together to battle, and the men of Israel were gone away. He arose and smote the Philistines unto his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword. And, uh, unto the, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after only to spoil. They came back for the loot, those soldiers that did not fight. And after him was Shammah, the son of Aji, the Hararite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines, and the Lord wrought a great victory. I want to talk to you about these three men this morning. And I want to talk to you about the spiritual war <clears throat> excuse me, that's taking place in our lives every day. The enemy of your soul desires to steal everything from you unless you fight back. And I know people say, <clears throat> well, how do you fight back? We're going to explain to you a little bit biblically how to do that. But let me remind you of a few verses. In John 10 and 10, the thief cometh not but for to steal, to kill, and to destroy. That's his machination against the church and against us as individuals. 
Jesus said, I am come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. James 4, 7 reads this. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. This is how you fight. And this is where I believe the Christian church has fallen down. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh unto you. I want you to know in the last election, 54% of people who consider themselves Christians voted for the candidate that was against abortion. 46% of people who claimed to be church people and Christians voted for the candidate that was for abortion. Think about that for a moment. Think about the state of the church when you just heard those statistics. Think about it. Think about how the enemy is stealing our faith, stealing our biblical values that people did not vote their faith. The Bible says, submit yourselves unto God. That means come under his control. You're not going to be able to control your life. It's going to get out of control if you try to control your life. You can push every button you want in your, in your little room there and push buttons and think you can maneuver and strategize and move people and do what you can do. It's not going to work. The Bible says the first thing we must do is submit ourselves to God, assume responsibility, and be accountable to God. Then it says, submit yourselves therefore to God. And that word therefore is very important. It means to expect results plus more. Do we really expect results plus more? Are we so meager in our faith that we don't even believe that God will give us what he says he will give us? The word therefore really means expect results plus more to come. Hallelujah. Life's not over. Praise God, the sun did not fall from the sky. The moon is still in the sky at night. It says, therefore, submit yourselves unto who? Unto God. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. And then what does it say? It says this. It says, resist the devil. Do we really do that? Do we really fight back? Do we really resist? The word resist means to set yourself against your enemy. It means to withstand him and oppose him. Praise God. To make your stand firm. That's what it means. To establish your position. To cause a person to keep his place. We should sing that song, I shall not be moved. We used to sing that in the old Pentecostal church. I shall not be moved. Praise God. What does it mean to resist? This is important. To stand immovable. In what? In your faith. In your belief in God. It means to keep intact and don't fall apart. People are falling apart. They're acquiescing to the lies of the enemy. They're in agreement. They're like, what will be, will be. Is that how I'm going to run my life? I don't think so. Praise God, I have a say through Christ, through prayer, and through my faith, hallelujah, concerning my future. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. It says this word, one who does not hesitate or waver. So many people are hesitating. So many people are wavering. So many people are already walking away from the church. Well, God didn't give us what we want. Hey, we're not done yet. We're not done yet. Speak the word of God. Hallelujah. It says what? Therefore, uh, to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Who is the devil? 
The one that wants to lie to you. The one that wants to steal from you. The one that wants to take everything from you. Your money, your home, your marriage, your job, your health, your finances. He wants to come and steal from you. He wants to take your kids. He's not joking. He's mad. He got thrown out of heaven. He was a created being. He was the choir director. And then he wanted God's job. And God said, you can't have my job. And you know, sometimes I think we want God's job because we want to tell God what to do. We want to sit on the throne. Like we're smarter than him. No, I don't think so. The Bible says what? Resist the devil and he will do what? He will flee. He will shun you. He will avoid you. He will flee away. I think it's time, as I said before, it's time the church see the backside of the devil running from us, praise God, seeking safety for himself. People say, well, how can we do that? Resisting the devil by submitting ourselves to God. The word of God is still true, folks. The word of God is still true. The word of God is still faithful. He is the word. He is faithful and true. Praise God. And his name is Jesus. It's time the church put the enemy in position to shun us and to avoid us knowing he will lose the battle. Listen, in the end, he loses. In the end, he loses. He cannot win. It's a no-win situation for the enemy of your soul. Why should we cooperate with him and not resist him while we're living on this earth? We can have so much more, friends, through Christ. We don't lay down our faith because of world events or current events or politics. We don't lay down our faith. Our faith is still intact. The, 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 the true church is still intact. There's, there's millions of people that have prayed and fasted, praise God, that have sought God. And they will continue to do that. Come hell or high water. It doesn't matter. Our faith, we still have a job to do. He said, occupy until I come. So what is God saying to us? He's saying, take your place. Take your seat in God's kingdom. You've been assigned a place that has been determined by God. You were born for this moment. You were born for this time. This is not an accident or a coincidence. This is divine providence and destiny from God. You have been appointed. And as long as we come under his admonition, as long as we come under his counsel and his advice, praise God, we will be more than conquerors and overcomers through him Praise God against the war against our enemy, and we will be victorious. People have stopped believing already. They've acquiesced. They've laid down their armor of God, and they're going into their sealed panel homes and through their caves and saying, what's the use of praying? You know, people say, well, why should we pray? You know why? There's only one simple reason, because Jesus said to do that. (laughs) People say, well, why should we pray, Pastor? Because Jesus said to do it. And if Jesus said to do it, we need to do it. There's no hemming and hoarding about that. He said it. He said, when you pray, praise God, when you pray. He told us to pray. He said, pray to the Father in his name, praise God. And that's exactly what we'll do until the day we die, praise God. And you know what? What's really unique is that he is praying intercessory prayer for us while we're here. Think about that. He hasn't stopped working. He hasn't stopped caring. He hasn't stopped praying. Should we? No, I don't think so. People get very tired because they look at prayer as something like, oh my, I got to go to the dentist. 
I got to get my tooth filled. Oh, that's what prayer is for some people going to the dentist. It's not. Prayer is communion with God. Prayer is intercession with God. Prayer is talking to God. Praise the Lord. Now let me explain something to you. All of life's battles that we have, everything that you're going to endure in this life, comes under one verse in 1 John chapter 2, verse 15 and 16. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that's in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Therein lies your fight. Therein lies the battle. The battle is lust of the flesh, lust of the eye, and pride of life. All of life's battles can be categorized in those two verses. That's what you fight every day. You fight your flesh every day. You fight against lust every day. You fight against the elements of the world every day. Because the enemy wants us to step out of our character. He wants us to step out of our Christianity. He wants us to step out of the image of God that we were born again in through the born again experience. He wants us to do that. He wants us to lose our cool. He wants us to lose our patience. He wants us to fight. He wants us to to do stupid things. Praise God. But we fight spiritually. We fight spiritually. Praise God. Christianity for so long on television has been measured by prosperity. Listen closely. The church across America, for the most part, has become a social and financial institution. And we call the heads of those churches now CEOs. Like their chief executive officers. Wait a minute. I don't see that in the word of God. I really don't. I see bishops. I see that in the word of God. I see pastors, preachers, teachers, evangelists, apostles, prophets. I see that, but I don't see CEOs. But we've taken on the model of the world, and we've brought it into the church, and we've created the church to be a social and financial institution that we have to give money to keep it going. If God wants to keep it going under his anointing, he'll bankrupt heaven to keep it going, my friend. I never worry about that. But when people plead day and night, day and night, day and night, and they try to make you feel guilty if you don't give a certain amount. Listen, I give my tithe and I give my offering. That's what I do. And I've done that for 47 years. And God has blessed me. I have never regretted giving to God because as our pastor taught us, he said, son, you can never outgive God. You can never outgive God. Christianity should be measured by battles won, by victories. Okay? How many trials and battles have you survived? That's how you measure your Christianity. Listen to me. Do we still have the same zeal for Jesus? Do we still have the same zeal and love for Christ? Have we become lukewarm in our experience? And these are questions that we need to ask ourselves in this last and final hour. Because it's going to come down to that. Have we stopped trying on the inside? Have we just given up? Praise the Lord. Are we bluffing and going through the motions? A lot of people are. They're bluffing and going through the motions. We cannot live our faith by doing that. 
We cannot be Sunday morning Christians. We cannot be weekend warriors. Praise God. Women must be, be men and women of God filled with the power of the Holy Spirit, bought with a price, the blood of Jesus. This is an everyday experience. Salvation is a way of living. Religion is for Sunday. Salvation is for every day. What is our dedication to our Christian responsibility? Have you ever asked yourself, what is my Christian responsibility? What is my Christian responsibility to my family? To my job? To my church? What is our commitment to the will of God? Do people even pray about the will of God? God, what is it that you want me to do? Lord, how do you want to lead me and guide me by your spirit? You see, the church is built on the rock. And the rock is Jesus Christ. And we, according to Peter, are supposed to be the lively stones. Ask yourself a question. Are you a lively stone? Or will the stones cry out because you don't praise him? Come on now, let's get honest with the word of God. The Bible says in 1 Peter 2.5, You also, as lively stones, mm, not dead stones, as lively stones, are built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer what? Of spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God by Jesus Christ. I can't force you to sing. I can't force you to praise God. I can't force you to open up your mouth and give God thanksgiving and praise as we enter into the house of the Lord. I can't do that. I will not do that. That's voluntary. That's because you want to. Not because the pastor tells you to do that. This is not by constraint. This is by our love for Jesus. And we have to ask ourselves these questions. The lively stones are the overcomers. Jesus will build his church with what? With overcomers. We must be overcomers of lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, and the pride of life. We must be overcomers of battles and trials and not allow the enemy to destroy us. So many people give in. They say it's too hard. Some say, why battles and trials, Pastor? Why, why, why? We want to ask that question. How can God test our faith? And how can God test our love toward Him if there's no battles? How can we have victories if there's no battles? There must be trials. There must be battles. And there must be periods of crisis at times. Hear what I just said. There must be crisis periods in our lives sometimes where our faith and love are tested before God. We are on probation and our soul weighs in the balance. There's the scales right there. We are on probation. We're spiritual paroles. You know what I'm saying? We haven't entered into yet. And the Holy Spirit is the spiritual parole officer that keeps us in check. Come on now, stay with me. To keep us on the straight and narrow pathway. So that we don't succumb to lust of the eye, lust of the flesh, or pride of life. And that we don't succumb to the battles and trials that are coming against us. That we don't succumb under the crisis even that would come against us. But that the Holy Spirit will offer us comfort and intercession through prayer. Romans 8. Yes. Hallelujah. When we don't even know what to pray for. Can you say praise the Lord? Praise Israel was promised Canaan's land. Israel was promised blessings in this promised land. 
And some say, what are the blessings? All God said, you can have. We live beneath our inheritance. I say we live beneath our inheritance. But there's a puzzle piece that was not understood by the Israelites. Found in Canaan's land were enemies who were giants and obstacles. That was the puzzle piece. God said, go possess it. God says, I've given it to you. God says, it's yours. God didn't save us and tell us there weren't going to be giants and obstacles in our life that we would have to face. Some people think, well, when I came to Jesus, glory to God, I'm going to get a Cadillac and an in-ground pool. No. As a matter of fact, when you came to Jesus, that's when your fight began fiercely. Because before then, the enemy had you. He didn't have to fight over you. The enemy had you. He didn't care what you were doing. He didn't care what you were, how you were behaving. He didn't care. He let you do it. But the moment you turn to Jesus, oh my. Oh my. Something, something happened in the spirit world. Something happened. So, hey, where's that trophy? Where's that person in my trophy case? And that person is gone. Where, where did that person go? He went to Jesus. And he summoned the demons. He summoned the spirits. The spiritual power, powers, the rulers of darkness to summon you and get you back into that trophy case. And my friend, he'll do that until the day, praise God, we're taken for Jesus. He doesn't give up. And all the more now because he knows that his time is short. These obstacles and giants represented Satan trying to keep the people of God from their inheritance. There were battles to fight and there were battles to win. And you know the story of that. We send in 12 spies. Ten come back and say, yeah, it's great land. Gold and silver, pomegranates, grapes. Man, you can't believe the orchards. You can't believe what God wants to give us. But, B-U-T, but, there's giants in there and we're but grasshoppers. We're but grasshoppers. They're bigger than we are. They're stronger than we are. Listen up, folks. Life is a battle. Life is a struggle sometimes. Sometimes it's hard to creep out of your bed, praise God, in the morning and get up and go to work. It's hard sometimes. It's hard to maintain sometimes. That's why we need fellowship. That's why we need prayer meetings. That's why we need people coming together as a collective group to encourage one another not to give up, not to stray from the foe, but to have faith in God. Sometimes you're required to carry your brother. Sometimes you're required to carry your sister. That's Christianity, my friend. That's camaraderie. I have no idea how many tens of thousands of people marched on Washington yesterday. Some say a million. I don't know how many. But you know what I saw? I saw people from different cultures. I saw people from different states. I didn't see people with Molotov cocktails. I didn't see people with weapons trying to hurt the police that tried to protect us. But I saw a camaraderie. I saw a collective, cohesive group of people that wanted to share what their beliefs were. And they marched. And they spoke. And they were eloquent. 
And they conducted themselves in an orderly fashion. That is a peaceful protest. That's how it was done. And then the bullies arrived. The bullies. But little did they know that they would meet with opposition because, you know, when push comes to shove, you are allowed to defend yourself. Power against power. You are allowed to defend yourself. Hear what I'm saying. You don't allow anyone to come in your house and just take everything that belongs to you. You just don't. Dash out, not steal. And what does the word steal mean? To take something from someone that doesn't belong to you. We fight. We lock our doors. We lock our cars. We have elements in our homes that will protect us if necessary. Come on. Push comes to shove. You don't let someone take your wallet out of your back pocket. You don't let someone rape your wife or accost and molest your children. You don't do that. You'll fight to the end. Because that's what God expects. Can you say praise the Lord? Jude said this, beloved. When I gave all diligence to write unto you of the common salvation, it was needful for me to write unto you and exhort you that you should earnestly contend for the faith which was once delivered unto the saints. What does it mean to contend? To struggle for, to travel on, and to reach our destiny with God. We have a destiny with God, my friend, and the enemy wants to interrupt that destiny. He wants to throw roadblocks on your road. He wants to put broken trees and all this junk in the roadway and say you can't pass, but in the name of Jesus, I'll go around, I'll go under, I'll go over, whatever God says, if he has to translate me from one spot to the other, I will get to the other side. It will not be denied. We must press into the kingdom. Luke said it best in Luke 16 and 16, the law and the prophets were until John, but since that time the kingdom of God is preached and every man presseth into it. Press in. Press in. People have stopped pressing in. I like to give this example of women. Lose a diamond earring. Heaven forbid if it falls off somewhere in your home. I want to tell you something. Nobody's eating. No one is going to sleep. No one is going anywhere. The doors are locked. Is it true? And what do we do? All hands on deck. What's up, Mom? I'm missing a diamond earring. That means so much to me because my mom gave it to me. And guess what? We're not leaving. There is no dinner. There's no lunch. There's, no, there's nothing. Don't even think about it. Don't even ask Mom what's to eat. There's nothing. Until we find that diamond earring. And we will find it. Trust me, we will find it. That's how you press in. You press into the presence of God. You know, have you ever really wanted something really badly? Have you ever saved for something that you really, really wanted? You really wanted it. And you, you gave up your Dunkin' Donuts coffee for a week. Whatever it was. You, said, you made a sacrifice. Because you really, really want. You were pressing in. Because you said, yeah, I really want that. Maybe you worked hard. Maybe you, you just feel like, you know, this is something God wants to give me, but I got to get some extra money. Kids earn money to do chores. Do chores. 
Because they, they want something special. They want that game. They want that DVD. They want something. What do they do? They, they press hard. Mom can ask them to take the garbage out. Oh, I'm tired, Mom. But if they want something, if they want something, Dad, can I do something to earn some money? Mom, can I do something to earn some money? But you don't, you don't even take the garbage out. Mom, that's, don't worry about the garbage. It, it'll get out one of these days. Because I know God, if I don't do it, you'll do it, Mom. Well, Dad'll do it. I know that. But Mom, I really want this. And I'm, I'm short 40 bucks. Can you help? What can I do? I, I'll rake leaves. Well, I, I, I'll wash the toilet. I'll, I'll, well, whatever. Not the garbage. I, I hate taking out garbage. I just don't like taking out garbage. What's so hard about taking out garbage? You pick it up out of the thing, and you, you walk outside, you put it in the garbage field, you put the lid on, you're done. What's so hard? Families fight over garbage. We fight over taking out garbage. Listen, we must press in. Let's go back to verse 8 of 2 Samuel 23. These be the names of the mighty men of David that David had, the Tachmanite that sat in the seat, chief among the captains. He's the head man. The same was Adino. His name was Adino the Esnite. And he lifted up his spear against 800 whom he slew at one time. He was chief of the inner circle of soldiers that David had that he relied on. He had a lot of other soldiers that are mentioned in this chapter. Don't get me wrong. And they were all worthy and they were all honored by David. But David is rec recalling and recollecting certain people. Can you imagine this man who lifted up his spear against 800 and killed 800 of the enemy because they wanted to steal from the Israelites? What about verse 9? After him, after who? After Adino was Eleazar, the son of Dodo, the Aohite, one of the three mighty men with David, when they defied the Philistines that were gathered together in battle, and, men, and the men of Israel were gone away. They were gone away, just like I preached last week, fearful and afraid. Oh, forget about it. He arose, who did? This Eleazar, and smote the Philistines until his hand was weary, and his hand clave unto the sword, and the Lord wrought a great victory that day, and the people returned after him only to spoil. They came back for the loot after the victory was won. What's in it for us? Are you serious? I just fought with David. And we, we, what did we do? What does the Bible say he did? He arose. We need to arise. We need to stand up and see ourselves as powerful in Christ. We need to come on the scene, praise God, and to endure and be proven by Christ. We are men and women of God. We're warriors, more than conquerors through him that loves us. We must, praise God, hear the siren, not from the fire department or the ambulance corps, but we must hear the siren from heaven that says, march to the drumbeat of heaven because you're a soldier in the army of the Lord. Show up! He arose. We must arise as an act of faith if we're going to gain victory. We must arise as an act of faith if we're going to gain victory. Hear what I'm saying. And what did he do? He smote the enemy. He killed them. Because they were trying to take what didn't belong to them. And how did he do this? He arose and he smote the Philistines with his hand and his hand was weary. Sometimes it's weary praying. Sometimes it's weary 
preparing. Sometimes it's weary being a husband or a father or a mother or a wife or a son or a daughter. It gets weary sometimes. But we have to continue. We have to continue. I said we have to continue. We cannot grow weary. And what did the Bible say? He clave unto the sword. He held it. Throughout that whole battle, that whole fight, where people left, people didn't care. Soldiers. Soldiers. We're not doing this. We can get killed. We can get hurt. We, we can get our uniforms dirty. I, I, I got things to do at home. I'm busy. But when did they come back? They came back after the victory was won. They came back for the loot. <clears throat> Isn't that something? And then we have 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 11. After him, after who? After Adino and after Eleazar, that David honors by mentioning them and what they did in battle and won victories. And after him was Shema, Shama, the son of Aji, the Herorite. And the Philistines were gathered together into a troop where was a piece of ground full of lentils, and the people fled from the Philistines. A troop is a company of soldiers that's coming to take what belongs to you so they can have what you work for hard that they will take. Sounds like communism, doesn't it? Sounds like socialism, isn't it? You work your whole life to buy a house and your car and feed your kids and invest in them and send them to school and clothe them and do all these things through great struggles and battles and weariness. And somebody wants to come in and just want to take everything from you. Wait, wait, wait a minute. What country am I living in here? What country am I living in here? Come on. Are you serious? Take what we've earned for years. Take what belongs to us. I don't think that's right. Lentils. What do lentils represent? It represents a crop. What does it represent? Ground preparation. If you've ever done any gardening. It's work. Pulling weeds. Planting. Hard work. Labor. Sweating at your brow. Raising plants. Growing plants. Pruning plants. And the enemy has a troop of soldiers that says, this lentil patch is ours. Wait a minute. I didn't see you rototill. I didn't see you with a shovel. Who are you? Well, we're the Philistines. And who are you? Shammah. <laughs> One little man. One little person. <laughs> you think you scare us? We're the Philistines. We have a troop. We have an army. Question. Should we allow someone to come and steal our fruits of labor? Yeah. Hmm. Parents. Should we allow the enemy to come and just steal our children? Should we? Should we allow the enemy to steal members that come to a church? Should we allow someone to steal a business that a man has worked his whole life for? 
Should we allow the enemy to steal our soul? It's time that we stand up and arise and say, wait a minute. I'm a child of God. I'm a child of the king. And I have pulled up a seat at his table as his invitation has come to me. You can't just push us around. We're a valuable commodity to God and his kingdom. And we are God's children. So be careful on how you handle us. Because there's been many before you that mishandled us and it did not turn out so well for them. I have two questions for you this morning. What are our options? What are our options? The Bible says that the people fled from the Philistines in these verses in 2 Samuel 23 and 11. They flew the coop. They abandoned. They were not being responsible and accountable. Maybe they were too tired. Maybe they worked hard that week. I don't know. Maybe they're just flat out lazy. They fled. So here's your option. Number one, we can run. We can run from the battles of life. We can go to bed, pull the sheet over our head and say, you know what, I give up. I said the prayer, I'm going to heaven. The men of Israel were gone away. They quit fighting. They quit resisting. Resist the devil and he will flee. They quit resisting. The people stopped trying. The people copped out. The people took the attitude of let's lay low and see what happens. That's not a, an offensive plan. No, not, not good one, <laughs> you know, you can stay in the huddle just so long and then there's going to be a penalty because it's going to be delay of game. I said, you can stay in the huddle just so long and there's going to be a penalty and there's going to be a delay of game. And you can stay in the spiritual huddle just so long and there's going to be a delay of game. And God's going to come and take care of business and say, aren't you going to call a signal? Aren't you going to call a play? Aren't you going to make a move? Are you just going to stay put and maintain and just be happy with, I'm born again. My name's written in the Lamb's Book of Life. Oh, really? He said lukewarm will be spit out and vomited up. I didn't say that. He said that. I don't want to be accused of that. I want to be on fire for God. I want, I want passion. People say I'm a Christian. Well, show me some proof. Is that too much to ask? We have to have proof for everything. Except in certain states where you don't have to have proof to vote. Excuse me for interjecting that. That was for free. That was for free. I didn't charge for that. You go to the store, you need proof. You need proof. Show me some signs. Show me you're a Christian. Show me you got a pulse and a heartbeat for Jesus spiritually. Because if you're just maintaining and walking through life, the enemy already has you, my friend. He's got you in his crosshairs and he has already shot. And you are wounded and you're bleeding to death and you don't even know it. 
What did Daniel say? He said, many shall run to and fro and knowledge shall increase. Many people are restless. Many are trying everything to seek peace. Many are running from God and from their problems and their battles. They're going to be there tomorrow. You can drink a whole bottle of whiskey. It'll be there tomorrow. You can shoot your veins up with heroin and it'll be there tomorrow. Do you deal with it? We must stop. We must stop running and hold our ground, submit to God, resist the devil, defend our interest, and believe God for the victory. So number two option, we can stand our ground. I'm not giving up my values. I'm not giving up my principles. I'm not giving up what I believe in. I'm not being brainwashed. Hear what I'm saying. The Bible says in Colossians 2, 6, first you must stand your ground, and you can only do that until you prescribe to Colossians 2, 6, and 7. As you have therefore received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk ye in Him, rooted and built up in Him, established in the faith, as you have been taught, abounding therein with thanksgiving. Established in Christ. To stand your ground, you must believe Jesus is with you. You must believe heaven is on your side. You must see it spiritually. A lot of people have already forgotten that. Heaven is still on our side. We are God's children. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 18, where there is no vision, the people perish. Some people have already lost their vision. Proverbs 12, 7 says, the wicked are overthrown and are not but the house of the righteous shall stand. Listen to that. But the house of the righteous shall stand. I'm not giving up on that. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16, 13, one of my favorite verses, watch ye, stand fast in the faith, quit you like men and be strong. What does that mean? What does it mean, watch ye? Give strict attention to. What does it mean? Be cautious. Be active. Take heed, lest through remission and indolence some destructive calamity suddenly overtake you. Don't be distracted. Don't be distracted. Don't go on a maintenance plan. Because a maintenance plan, you're only going backwards and you're not going forward and you're not growing spiritually. It means stand fast. What does it mean? Stand firm. Persevere. Persist. To keep your standing. Don't give up your values. Don't give up your principles. Don't give up your biblical promises. And then it says, quit you like men. A lot of people don't know what that means. You know what it means simply? To make a man or to be brave. To show oneself that he is a man. You know what's missing in the Christian church? Men leadership. Women are crying. Women are crying for men leadership. If it wasn't for women, many of our churches would close. Yeah. I said, if it wasn't for women, many of our churches would close. God is trying to raise up men in the last day. God is trying to give us a, a, the heart of a soldier. Endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. That's what Paul told Timothy. But men are getting their fingernails done. They're getting pedicures. Come on, listen. Listen to me. We have feminized men. Men have become dainty. What a role model. It's not a good one. Silent. Silent men. Passive men. 
And then we wonder why we have angry wives. We wonder why our wives get angry. It's simple. Passivity never works. Not opening our mouths never works. Bringing our house to, to the house of God, that works. Setting the standard in a home spiritually, that works. Being a man of God in a home, that works. Being the man of the house, that works. And when that doesn't happen, women feel the need to control and take over. And they get angry because they say, God didn't make me to be a man and a woman. I'm a woman. And God didn't make me the authoritarian and the disciplinarian over the children. Do something. Say something. Speak up. Rise up. Arise. Get off your duff. Listen. The Bible says, Wherefore take you the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand would stand in the evil day and having done all to stand. Folks, if we're going to stand and withstand, we need God's armor. We need the tools. So what happened in 2 Samuel 23, 12? What does Shammah do? He stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines and the Lord wrought a great victory. What did he do? He stood. He showed up. He was not intimidated with fear and intimidation, those spirits of the enemy that were trying to say, hey, we got more than you. Listen, there's more of us than them, my friends. Hallelujah. If we can just see the heavenlies, there's more of us than them. Unfortunately, a lot of people don't believe that anymore. He stood in the midst right there. You know what he said? This is my ground. These are my crops. And you will not. You will not take what belongs to me and what I've worked so hard for. He stood his ground. That parcel, that portion that God had given him and he defended it. He defended it. He put up a wall against the powers of evil because the spirit of God came upon him. The spirit of the living God came upon him. And he slew the enemy. He attacked them. He didn't wait for them to come to him. He attacked them and destroyed them. He smote them and conquered them. He subjugated them, which means he put the enemy under his feet. Shama stood and defended his ground. What an example of standing and defending to the end. He believed it was his. He believed in overcoming. He believed in doing battle. Many never win any battles because they never enter into the arena because of fear and unbelief and intimidation. Satan has given them an anesthetic. He has slipped them a Mickey. Has given them an anesthetic. I'll just lay down and accept everything. So let me come and steal your wallet. So let me come to your driveway and take your car. Just lay down. Just sleep on. Just give me the deed to your house. Come on, just give it to me. Just sleep on. Don't fight. Let somebody other man take your wife. Just sleep on. Let the devil take your kids. Just sleep on. Don't fight. Don't arise. Don't protect. Don't defend. 
What's happened to us? What's happened to the church world? Where people are afraid to announce their biblical principles and make the, the Bible valid and up to date in their life. What a great example of standing. Shama not only defended his ground, but defended God's interest. God's made us stewards, my friend. We must defend our homes, our families, our businesses, and our churches. Shama stood and defended his ground. Great example. And what happened? In 2 Samuel 23, 12, because he did what God asked him to do. And he did it willingly, knowing his life was on the line. But he stood in the midst of the ground and defended it and slew the Philistines. And the Lord wrought a great victory. Not just a victory, but a great victory. We've stopped believing in victories. We've stopped believing in miracles. I see people writing on the, there's no miracles. That, that's the age of miracles are over. We don't believe in healing. Why do you go to a doctor? Tell me, preacher, if you don't believe in healing, why do you go to a doctor? Why do you take medicine? Because you want to be healed. Oh. But if we present the anointing oil, and I'm never telling anyone not to take their medicine, I don't do that. But the Bible says, call for the elders of the church and anoint with oil. That's right, Book of James. It's biblical principle. Oh, that's not for today. The day of Pentecost, that's not for today. But eight years later, it was given to the Italians. Then it was given to Ephesus and different people in the Bible. To your children and your children's children. That's us. But it's not for today. Because some preacher went to a theological cemetery <laughs> who calls us heretics because we sing a song three or four times in a chorus. Look at dead people working it up in a frenzy. Look at you, you dead man. Look at you, you're a corpse, man. You're, you're, you're like you're blown in a coffin. Get some life, brother. Get some zeal, get some passion. Instead of mocking us, making fun of us. I love seeing the president in a big church in Nevada three weeks ago. Saw it on film. In a Pentecostal church, sitting on the first row, first seat. <laughs> the president of the United States. People speaking in tongues and people praising God and singing. Come on, my friend. As our president of the United States sitting on the first row, first seat. And what are you, you telling me he doesn't love God? He, well, are you serious? Three weeks ago. And then the offering plate came. And I sure everybody was gotten the camera on him. And I saw him slip his hand into his pocket. And he took out a few bills. <laughs> And I guarantee you, they weren't George Washington. <laughs> Brother, son, it wasn't George Washington. Some people hold on to George Washington so tight that there's tears on that dollar bill. George is crying. Come on, my friend. And the offering plate came around. And the, and the president of the United States, they didn't bypass him. 
A great victory. What does that mean? The Lord wrought a great victory. Praise God. A mighty deliverance. Praise God. Providing a place of safety for Shammah and his crop and for his family. Let me close. Shammah knew the Lord was with him. And you know, it's a wonderful feeling to know the Lord's with you in battle. I said, it's a wonderful feeling to know the Lord is with you in battle. Shammah knew the Lord would fight the battle. He knew the Lord would win a great victory. And friends, this morning, we must stand our ground. We must defend our ground. And we must resist the enemy and wait for the victory that God will bring to us. Let me close. Revelation chapter 2, verse 7. He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. To who? To him that overcometh. If you allow the enemy to railroad you and steamroll you and flatten you out and take you out, you're not an overcomer. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 15, 57 and 58, great words of comfort to me as a pastor. But thanks be to God, which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. Praise the Lord. Let us pray. Father, you have spoken. We should not allow the enemy to steal anything from us that you have given to us. We should not allow the enemy to take what doesn't belong to him. And we should not relinquish our faith, our fight, our submission to God, and resisting the enemy of our soul. He comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But God, you remind us, you come to give us life and life more abundantly. You come to bless us. You come to do battle with us because you are a God of war. You are a man of war. And you're not afraid to get your hands dirty. You're not afraid, oh God, to be complicit with your children in fighting against the powers of evil that would try to overtake us. And I pray, God, for those that would listen to the sermon, that you would give them fortitude this morning and strength and biblical values that they can stand on, that you would help them arise in the name of Jesus Christ and stand their ground and not be intimidated with fear or the spirit of intimidation, but to stand tall, to pull up a seat at the table of our God, knowing that we are children of the Most High God. We are children of the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords. Father, you are the commander-in-chief of this entire universe, and you are still in control, and we are your children, just desiring to do your will, occupy until you come. And Lord, we do await that day as the early church prayed, Lord Jesus, come quickly. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. amen. God bless you, and thank you for listening.